Grace indeed, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you today is from 2 Chronicles. There's a portion of chapter 15 printed out in the worship folder. We're going to do a brief review really of chapters 14 through 16 regarding King Asa of Judah. Do you know anyone who was a believer? Maybe a long time or even a lifetime believer. And then they weren't. They turned away from God. We're at an example of that in our earlier Bible readings today. In Corinthians, the Apostle Paul reminded us of the nation of Israel that was delivered from Egypt by Moses. They saw the ten plagues. They witnessed and lived through the Passover. They walked across the Red Sea on dry land. They followed the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of cloud by night. They, they even saw God himself at the top of Mount Sinai in thunder and lightning and fire and smoke. And, and yet, they decided to worship a golden calf that they had made. They chose the foreign gods of Egypt rather than the one true God, the Lord, who had delivered them. In our gospel reading, we heard about Judas. He was one of 12 men in all of human history that Jesus himself chose to follow him as a disciple. He lived with Jesus for almost three years and then decided to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. We're going to find out that King Asa has a similar story he not only worshipped the Lord God himself, but he taught his people, the country of Judah, to seek the Lord with all their heart and all their strength, all the days of their life. For 35 years, he ruled over them in a godly fashion, and then he did it with almost no explanation given to us. As a pastor, that's my greatest fear that you or the other family members of our congregation or, or believers anywhere, many of whom worshipped and trusted in and relied on the Lord for their entire lives, my fear is that suddenly they won't. And so today I want to encourage you to seek the Lord, not just for a little while, not just for most of your life, but I want you to seek the Lord all the days of your life. King Asa was the sixth king of Judah. If you're keeping track, the first three, Saul, David, and Solomon, ruled over the entire kingdom of Israel, all 12 tribes. Last week, we heard about Rehoboam, and that's when the kingdom split into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Abijah is chapter 13. You can learn more about him in Bible study today. But we're going to look at King Asa. He's now the sixth king. Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa. His reign is recorded at the beginning of chapter 14 of 2 Chronicles. And verse 2 tells us that he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And King Asa started out his reign just the way you want a godly king to do. He started out by trying his best to get rid of all of the false gods and idolatry throughout the kingdom of Judah. For whatever reason, they built altars and shrines on the top of hills. They called them high places. 
So he did his best to break down and get rid of all of those altars and shrines, all of the high places. And instead of worshiping false gods, he encouraged the people to seek the Lord, to follow his commands and his laws because he's the true God. He's the God who delivered their nation from slavery in Egypt. He's the God who had blessed them with their land and at the moment with peace. In fact, God granted Asa peace, no war, for the first 10 years of his reign. And he acknowledged the Lord. He said, this is a gift from God. So let's use this opportunity to build up our country, to fortify and strengthen the towns and villages. And so that's what they did. Now in year 10, there was an attack. Cushites, which are from Egypt and northern Africa, came and attacked Judah, and King Asa knew that his little army could not stand up to the horses and chariots and the larger, stronger army of the Cushites. So he did the only thing he could. He cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, you are the only one that can defend the powerless against the mighty. Lord, you are our God. You are with us. You are our God, and we are your people. So defend us. And God did. He gave them a great victory over the Cushites, even granted them gold and silver and all kinds of plunder, which Asa and the people took back to the temple and put it in the treasury for the Lord. Asa did all of these great things, and God was so pleased that God did a special thing for Asa. In year 15 of his reign, which is in chapter 15, which we hear, God sent a prophet. Not only was Asa seeking the Lord, the Lord was seeking Asa. He sent this prophet to encourage him, and the prophet said, if you look at verse 2, listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And then there's a warning, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. The prophet goes on to describe how for a long time the nation of Israel was without the true God. And it was a troubling time. He says that they were full of distress and and people were in danger as they traveled about. But then the people went looking for the Lord and they found him. And at the very end, the prophet encouraged Asa, As for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. This encouraged Asa so much, he went on a second reformation, you might say. For the second time, he went throughout the country and broke down the altars and shrines and high places, got rid of all of the foreign gods. Again, for a second time, he called all of the people together and they had this big sacrifice. They took hundreds and thousands of animals, which they got from the war against the Cushites, and they sacrificed them to the Lord. They wanted to renew their covenant with him. They even took an oath to seek the Lord with all their heart and all their strength all the days of their life. And God blessed them again. Twenty more years of peace. That means for 35 years, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He himself sought the Lord his God and he encouraged his people to get rid of the foreign gods and to seek the Lord, the one true God. But then you get to chapter 16. And without really any explanation, Asa turns his back on the Lord. At the beginning of chapter 16, we find out that the second king of Israel began to attack Asa and Judah. 
Once again, Asa knew that he was outmatched, outmanned, outpowered. He could not defeat the king of Israel. But this time, instead of calling on the name of the Lord as he did when the Cushites attacked, he decided to take all of the gold and silver and money out of the Lord's temple and send it to the king of Aram, which would be modern-day Syria. He said to the king of Aram, let's make an alliance. If you will attack the king of Israel, then he will stop attacking me because he won't be able to fight the war on two fronts. And it worked. The king of Israel gladly took the money. He said, okay, I'll be your ally. He went and attacked Israel. I'm sorry, the king of Aram took the money. He attacked Israel, and the king of Israel had to abandon his war against Judah. In fact, the people of Judah not only did the attack stop, they were able to take some wood and stone from the cities of Israel. It looked like a good political move, but it was not a good spiritual move. The Lord was not happy. And so the Lord again went to seek Asa. This time he sent a different prophet. And I'm going to paraphrase what the prophet said, Asa, what are you doing? Why did you send money to the king of a foreign country instead of calling on the Lord your God? The last time you were attacked, you called on God and he gave you this great victory and you brought all the plunder into the temple and now you sent it all away and you trusted in a king rather than God. Of course, Asa should have said, you're right, prophet. I sinned and I asked the Lord to forgive me. But instead, he got angry with the prophet and he put the prophet in prison. And then he began to oppress the people. Something changed. A few years later, the Lord inflicted Asa with a foot disease. Now that sounds terrible, but this was the Lord's way of seeking Asa, the same way he had sent trouble to the Israelites. He was trying to draw them back with repentance and then forgiveness and faith. But it's a real easy sentence to overlook in Scripture. It, it just says that Asa trusted in the physicians more than the Lord. And then he died. It's a sad ending to what started out as a good and godly reign. The Lord said, if you forsake me, I will forsake you. How many people today forsake the Lord? As a pastor, and, and I pray that as a believer, it, it breaks your heart to think about the millions of people in our world who do not seek the Lord. And it's not about threatening them. If you don't seek the Lord, you're going to hell. No, it's, it's really, if you don't seek the Lord, you won't receive his forgiveness. You won't receive the eternal life that he has prepared for you. You won't receive all of the blessings that he wants to pour out on you. It, kind of like knowing somebody won the lottery and they never went to collect. I mean, that's sad. This is eternal. But what breaks my heart even more are those who did know the Lord, who trusted in him, who prayed to him, who worshiped him, who sat in our pews and sat in our desks, who, who studied God's word with us and they followed him and then all of a sudden, they don't. You probably know people like that. And it happens for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's, 
It's innocent enough. People get busy. It's what happens a lot to our kids after confirmation class. They go to high school. I mean, when you're a freshman, there's a lot going on, and you've got school, and maybe you're in some activities, and then eventually you get your driver's license, and you get a job, and maybe you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the problem is that when you're 15 or 16 years old, your, your faith is still immature. And that's not a judgment. That's just reality. When you're young, you're still growing, and you need somebody to keep the Lord as the top priority for you, but, but it's not just kids that get busy, is it? it it's all of us. It's easy to get distracted. That often leads to broken habits. I don't know if you realize what COVID did to the church, and I don't mean just St. Paul's, I mean to the Christian church. It was one thing when we couldn't worship in person for eight weeks. I mean, that was hard, but it was only eight weeks. That was three years ago now. It slowly people started coming back to church, but I don't know if you realize that about 20 to 30% of people who used to come on a somewhat regular basis, they never came back. I just find it interesting if you listen to the news, we're way past this now, but for a while there you would hear like, oh, travel and the airline industry and the restaurant industry, they're back to like 60% and 80% and, and they're pretty much all the way back, but, but not everybody came back to church sad. For other people, it's false teaching. It's another issue that our young people deal with. They get distracted in high school, and then they go off to college. And, and I don't know if this is everywhere, but I've heard from enough people over the years that kids walk into a college class, and the professor says, if you're a Christian, you either leave God at the door or you walk out of it, because God's not welcome here. If you believe in the Bible, you're a fool because that's a myth or at best, it's full of errors written by men. And, and you ought to know by now that we trust the science, implying that you can't believe in both science and God at the same time, which is not true. And it's not just at the university anymore. It's trickling all the way down to the youngest of our children who are being targeted. And, and it's, it's our own spiritual family members who are being caught up by the lies and the deception and the false teaching of this world. And finally, there's tragedy. We live in a sinful world and so bad things happen. Somebody gets in a car accident. Somebody loses the job. Somebody gets a, a, a medical diagnosis. Somebody dies you know when grandma dies at the age of 97 and we, we think in our minds, well, she lived a good life and, and now she's in heaven. We're okay with that. But when a mother of four dies at the age of 36, sometimes people get angry. God, why would you let that happen? Because we often think that we know better than God, people will turn away from him. But if we forsake God, then he will forsake us. The good news that I want you to hear today is that God has not forsaken you. In fact, if God wanted to forsake us, he could have taken the world and crumpled it up and tossed it in the basket a long time ago. But instead, God sent his son. Jesus came so that we could live with God and receive his love and enjoy his blessings, not just all of our days on earth, but for all of time and eternity. Jesus came to save us from our sin, and you know he did that by dying on a cross. And, and do you remember 
When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus? It wasn't because he deserved it. Jesus lived a perfect life. There, there was no good reason for God to punish his son. It was for you and for me. Jesus was willing to be forsaken so that God would never have to forsake us. Jesus was willing to live a life and resist every temptation that we have failed to resist. Jesus was willing to suffer and die on a cross so that our death would no longer be punishment for sin, but the entrance into God's blessed eternity. God sent his own son because he was seeking you. Now, Jesus died for all people even those who want nothing to do with him, which was all of us. When we were born because of our sinful nature, we could not and would not and did not seek the Lord. But God came after you by sending the Holy Spirit. In word and sacrament, God sent the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. In baptism, he took our hearts of stone that wanted nothing to do with God and he turned them into beating hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit comes to us and he gives us the willingness to repent and acknowledge how we have forget, forsaken or turned away from the Lord in the past. He, he also gives us faith to believe that because Jesus died for us, God has forgiven our sins. The Holy Spirit comes and he changes our heart so that we don't want to chase after the things of the world anymore. Instead, we want to seek the Lord all the days of our life and and God didn't seek you just once or twice or a few times back in the day. God continues to seek you to this very day. The Lord sent a couple of different prophets to King Asa. You're stuck with me and, and you get Pastor Albrecht for a little longer yet. But we're here because the Lord still wants you to seek him. We're here every week to proclaim to you that God loves you to assure you that God has forgiven all of your sins, to, to help you relive your baptism and confess and receive forgiveness, to, to offer you the body and blood of Christ in the bread and wine of Holy Communion, to, to sit down and study the scriptures with you so that all together we can learn to seek the Lord, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, and, and to remind you of all of God's promises so that when tragedy strikes and when false teaching comes and when you get too busy, there's someone there to help guide you. And it's not just the two of us. It's all of you together. God has provided you with fellow Christians, whether they're your family members or your spiritual family, to walk with you and encourage you and keep you on the path so that we can all get to heaven together. So let me encourage you to seek the Lord, to keep coming back every week, to receive the sacrament regularly, to study God's word, to, to read your Bible at home, the same things I say every single week. But I have an extra request this week. As you seek the Lord, will you help us seek others for the Lord? As I said earlier, COVID took a hit. But even before then, more than half of our family members are missing on a regular weekly basis. They're, they're not here. Some of them haven't been here for months or years. 
but we still love them and care for them. And so does the Lord. So one of the ways the Lord can seek them out is by sending us. You know, Pastor Albrecht's been working hard to rebuild the elders committee along with the council and Bruce Hoffman's the chairman of that committee, and we have a spiritual care committee, and, and, and we're all working toward the same goal. It's, it's simply to be in contact with the people that we love and, and to encourage them to come back and seek the Lord because it's not too late. Maybe you can't start with an invitation to church, but maybe you can give someone that you know a phone call or a visit and just ask them how they're doing after you rekindle the relationship, then maybe you can ask them, is there anything I can pray about for you? Or, or can I pray with you? And, and then maybe it's an invitation to the parade or the timber rattler game or the picnic and eventually even to church or Bible study. If you want, you can t- t- tell them you heard this thrilling sermon about King Asa. And when they say, who? They say, yeah, he was a king that ruled the nation of Judah for 35 years in a way that was pleasing to the Lord, but, but then he didn't. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to King Asa. And yesterday somebody asked me, well, what about King Solomon? Did, did he die and then go to heaven? I don't know. But isn't it kind of a sinking feeling to say that you're not sure? So if anything, maybe you can find someone that you know and tell them, when the day comes, I want to be sure that you're living with Jesus forever in heaven. I want to see you again, and I want to spend eternity with you again, so that all together we can seek the Lord, not just for our short time here on earth, but for all eternity. May God grant it by His grace. Amen.